Sadly, sexual and gender-based violence is still a daily reality in many parts of the world. It's a persistent problem which requires broad mobilization across the community to be solved. So question, how can we engage faith leaders and communities in Eastern Congo to prevent sexual and gender-based violence in humanitarian settings? Welcome to this podcast. We share the results and stories of an innovative approach which try to do exactly that. My name is Sata Bungoy and I work with Care Fund on the EFLC project funded by the Dutch Relief Alliance Fund. EFLC is short for Engaging Faith Leaders and Communities. With local partners, Hill Africa and Beatil, we worked for two years on a pilot project in North and South Kivu in communities affected by conflict. Under challenging circumstances, we sought to challenge harmful social and gender norms and their underlying power structures. In this podcast, we'll share with you what the project was all about and how it was implemented. This podcast enriches a narrative report to the DRA by providing stories from beneficiaries and project partners. Enjoy listening. So why did we implement the EFLC project? In humanitarian settings, women and girls are at a higher risk of sexual and gender-based related violence. SGBV responses are ineffective when they only provide services without addressing the root causes of persistent violence, which are harmful gender norms. Protection outcomes are basically short-lived. In the Democratic Republic of Congo, custom and the social-religious context mingle together to define gender roles and relations between women, men, boys and girls. In our faith communities, there are places where we have not yet given space to women. In meetings or in committees, we can have 20 men, but only one woman, and sometimes even none. In the meetings of the elders of churches, we do not put women there, and therefore everything that we plan there will concern only men, because the woman is not represented there. Social religious norms are often used to legitimate violence against women and girls. Working with faith leaders and communities who challenge harmful norms offers a key avenue for preventing violence against women and girls. I really enjoyed the subjects and the activities because they taught me a lot. What I found most interesting is that since taking part in training, this is the first time that donors have taken an interest in religion. When I saw the theme Faith and GBV, I really liked it because in our community, people believe that we design all the teaching. But it is thanks to the biblical references, to the stories of the Bible, which corresponded to the teachings, that people believed us, understood, and changed. Through this approach, we aspired to the five following things. One, to engage faith leaders to publicly speak out against SGBV and model gender equality. Two, to address negative concepts of masculinities and harmful social norms among men and women. Three, to promote effective sustainable transformation at the wider community level. Four, 
to equip communities as first responders to SGBV through its bottom-up approach, and five, to tackle root causes of SGBV by challenging harmful social and gender norms. In North and South Kivu, over 12 months, we raised awareness on SGBV and trained 128 faith leaders to integrate GBV prevention and gender equality messaging in their activities. We trained 32 gender champions, 50% of which were women, to facilitate weekly community dialogues on gender equality and GBV. 15 community action groups were set up to monitor in their community most significant changes relating to SGBV using podcasts to lead advocacy campaigns, raise awareness, and mobilize the community against GBV. We'll have a look at some of the results and stories collected by community members, the CAGs, and the project staff. We focus on three main outcome areas, social and gender norms, support for survivors, and lessons learned about engaging faith leaders and communities, which we'll begin with. Faith leaders and faith communities are very influential in the lives of the target populations. Data from the project show that religion is either important or very important to 94% of community members. Faith communities therefore represent an important entry point and structure through which to address and challenge harmful social and gender norms. One month after the wedding, my wife was raped. It was difficult to comprehend. The priest helped us by counseling us. We were forced to live together. When we were in the process of following the training of religious leaders, I was informed that she had been raped again while leaving the fields. As I had notions, I accompanied her to the psychological support agents at the hospital to be taken care of. Despite all this, we still lived together without any problem. Three significant changes that relate to the role of faith leaders and faith communities were identified in the project's target areas. First, the project had a positive influence on faith leaders. For instance, at the close of the project, 83% of respondents identifying as Christian in Kichanga stated that their faith leader disapproves or strongly disapproves of men's intimate partner violence against women which is an increase compared to the baseline findings. Second, the program promoted more gender equal values and practices within participating faith communities. At Endline, women reported they were now able to play a wider range of roles in the life and activities of their faith community. This includes greater say in decision-making and even leading sermons. A Muslim woman reflects on the changes within her congregation. Before the project, we weren't allowed to trample on the place of prayer on the men's side. Today, they give us access to wipe in their room. We are delighted about that. Thirdly, the EFLC project improved the possibilities for SGBV survivors to access support services. This is perceptible through 1. Greater community awareness raising and referral services provided by CACs. 2. The increase in the number of community members who reported being more likely to offer support to GBV survivors. 
three, an increased awareness within the target communities of the types of support available to survivors of GBV, and four, improved perception by community members that faith-based institutions and places of worship are more likely to support survivors to access multi-sectoral support services. The second significant protection outcome in the EFLC project relates to social and gender norms. Traditionally, and this still holds true in many communities in Eastern DRC, men are in a leading role and women are subdued. An old man from the neighborhood stopped me one day to tell me that we cats are just fighting for food and that we want to foster conflicts in families. The old people are resistant and say that we are young and don't understand the traditional customs. The customary chiefs and the grassroots cadres are resistant, especially when we talk about gender. I introduced the topic of status and power. This topic brought about a lot of discussion because men were resistant to sharing their power with women. The COVID-19 pandemic and associated restrictions compounded existing gender norms. This contextual shift is significant when evaluating the project's results. While men's normative role as a family breadwinner remained a norm, more women were likely to have engaged in an income-generating activity in response to lockdown measures at the onset of the COVID-19 outbreak. Close to a third of women respondents stated that they had contributed to half or more than half of their family household income. Yet, these changing roles didn't necessarily lead to different roles. My husband never used to help me with anything, even if I was very busy and the child needed some water to drink, he would not help me to give it. But since we participated in these teachings, he learned to give me a hand with my household chores, even before I requested it. He can now wash the dishes and light the fire and take care of the children, and it makes me feel good. Before the training, there were a lot of problems. My wife would do all the laundry, even when she was ill but I started helping out with the housework. My daughters were responsible for cleaning and taking care of the house chores, but today we have started to divide the chores in the family between the girls and the boys. The COVID-19 pandemic and related restrictions exacerbated SGBV risks for women and girls. The qualitative study found widespread reports of early and unplanned pregnancies among young girls who were forced to stay home as schools closed several months. This phenomenon was reported across different faith communities. In spite of the COVID-19-related restrictions, EFLC activities had a broad reach across target, displaced, and host communities alike in both North and South Kivu. The endline survey results indicate that overall, 61% of respondents had heard of the transforming masculinities approach versus a third who reported they had never heard of it. My husband used to come back from Bukavu to withdraw his salary at the bank, but would not show me. 
And when I asked him about it, he would get angry and say that it was not me who was going to war to fight for his money. And that was hurting me. But since we started following these teachings, and my colleague Kak told him about these teachings, he has changed a lot. He started giving me all his salary when he withdraws it from the bank to manage by telling me that he no longer needs to manage it while I'm here. I take this opportunity to thank you because it is thanks to your teachings that today we live in peace. The qualitative data showed a contrast between displaced persons in Kichanga and their host counterparts. Committing to attend community dialogues and practice some of the social gender norms changes promoted by the project in their households were more challenging for displaced project participants who tend to experience greater vulnerabilities than their host counterparts. This said, and as discussed above, the endline study did reveal encouraging changes among the displaced population in Kichanga as well in particular relating to gender equality in the household and the decrease in the number of project participants reporting the likelihood of intimate partner violence. Overall, on the subject of social and gender norms, the approach produced positive changes. My father-in-law told me not to take girls to school because their studies end in the kitchen and the family does not benefit from them, but only her husband. And even if the girl had the chance to study, the day she finds a job, she will not be as effective as a boy. Following that, I had only decided to educate the boys. It is thanks to this EFLC program that I understood that girls too can study. I have one daughter only, and she had stopped in sixth grade. But today, she went back to school. Yes, I am aware of violence against women especially the discrimination of women in inheritance. For example, my father died when I was three years old and bequeathed me three fields. But surprisingly, two of my fields were sold without my knowledge by members of my family. But after learning about gender and equality between men and women, I have found that the woman should also benefit from the estate in the same way as the man. Thanks for the training. I was able to recover my two fields through CAG. The latter referred me to the legal office for effective protection of my heritage, not to be taken by my paternal uncles. I have changed a lot because before, I spent money unnecessarily, and therefore I would do my purchases without asking for anyone's opinion. I surprised my wife, and here she is. We are going to make some purchases with our opinion. Reminder, before I had lost money that could have paid for the plot then. Instead of buying the plot, I went to buy cassava knowing that I want to benefit. She advised me against this, and in the end I ended up losing this money. So today, I cannot do anything without asking for my wife's advice. 
The final key protection outcome of the project is support for survivors. The EFLC project improved SGBV survivors' possibilities to access support services in their community. This was evidenced in three key ways. First, by the provisions of support by CAGS. This includes referral of survivors to service providers, awareness raising and advocacy campaigns. Second, by the increase in community members reporting being likely to offer support to survivors. Third, by the increased awareness among project participants of the types of support available to survivors of SGBV. The findings from the EFLC quantitative research support the effective improvement in the support for survivors. Compared to the baseline, at end line, community members in target areas were more likely to provide support to a survivor. For instance, in Kichanga, at end line, approximately 84% of both men and women stated they would probably provide support to a survivor. This represents a 40% increase from the baseline. EFLC community action groups are an important source of support for survivors in target communities. CADs were trained as part of the EFLC approach to refer SGBV cases to the appropriate service providers. Among the types of cases which they referred were cases of rape, physical violence, sexual violence, early marriages, domestic violence, and economic violence. Due to their effectiveness over the implementation period of the project, CAG members observed an increase in the number of sexual violence cases which were referred to them within 72 hours. This enabled them to refer survivors to the appropriate support services available within their community. There is change. We have observed that this program has been beneficial in the community. We used to receive victims within 72 hours, but now all victims come in in less than 72 hours. So we can say that we have been sensitized by Hill Africa, which is in the area. It has been two months since it was noticed. This said, during the implementation, referral services were constrained in target communities in South Kivu due to the lack of institutionalized and formalized agreement between EFLC implementing partner and existing local support structures. The absence of such protocols came at a cost for CAGs and, more importantly, for survivors who could not access the care they needed. In response to this challenge, agreements were established over the course of the implementation period. Constraints to the provision of referral services were also due to the limited and the inconsistent presence of specialized SGBV service providers, such as legal aid, mental health professionals, and psychosocial support structures in the project target areas. So how should we assess the protection outcomes of the EFLC project? Well, the outcomes of this pilot overall seem promising. The approach to religious leaders and communities fits seamlessly with the structure of the target communities. Perceptions on gender equality improved, and social practices were promisingly evolving towards positive change, and that in spite of the strenuous circumstances due to COVID-19. EFLC agents, CAGs, faith leaders, gender champions, support the survivors has proven impactful 
both at the personal and community level, with a significant increase in project participants' awareness of the importance of providing support to survivors, their awareness of the available services in their community, and the willingness to actually provide support to survivors. We are hopeful the protection outcomes reached by the EFLC project will be sustained due to the reiteration of community dialogues, the ongoing work of CAGs and faith leaders in the project target communities. Our pilot showed that even in the most challenging circumstances, such as a humanitarian setting, significant change is possible. against SGBV is a process which CareFund and its project co-applicants are engaged in for the long haul. SGBV cannot be defeated single-handedly, only collectively. We hope more organizations, faith leaders, and communities in humanitarian contexts will join this movement. This podcast is part of a more extensive written project report including the baseline and endline findings, which you may request by contacting Chairfront Netherlands. Our gratitude goes to the Dutch Relief Alliance for funding and supporting this program in challenging circumstances, and all the partners and colleagues of Chairfund. We have Help a Child Netherlands and its DRC country office, Heal Africa, Biatil, Opener Works, and Dr. Chloe Lewis, who led the research component of the project. Many thanks, more importantly, to the brave women and men in the participating communities in North and South Kivu who dare to raise their voices to make a difference. You have inspired us all.